Welcome to FinCast, the Financial Integrity Network's podcast series. I'm Juan Zarati, chairman and co-founder of Fin. Welcome back to this podcast. This episode focuses on the North Korea sanctions program, something that's been at the center of discussions not just in Washington, but at the United Nations, in Brussels, in Asia, and around the world. Finn recently hosted a series of expert panel discussions on a range of sanctions issues. In this discussion, Finn experts talk about the North Korea sanctions program, its complexities, its challenges, and its importance in the geopolitical context. This discussion is led by Danny Glazer, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury for Terrorist Financing in the Obama administration, and now a Finn principal. He's joined by Dave Murray, a vice president for Finn and, as well, a former senior treasury official. They have a great discussion. Have a listen. Why isn't the administration moving harder on sanctions? There's more of a military solution to this than most terrorist financing issues. Organizational structures as a key component for helping to develop confidence. White knights of illicit finance are a myth. They don't really exist. It's a direct attack on the on the money laundering vulnerability. President Putin's reaction to any of these allegations in the past has been prove it. Hi. My name is Danny Glazer. I'm a principal at the Financial Integrity Network, and I'm also the former Assistant Secretary for Terrorist Financing at the United States Treasury Department. I'm joined uh, today by my friend and old colleague, Dave Murray. Dave is a vice president here at FIN, the Financial Integrity Network, and he's also a former senior official at the U.S. Treasury Department. We worked uh, for many years together on a variety of illicit finance issues ranging from Iran to North Korea to Russia to terrorist financing, the whole uh, range and spectrum. So Dave is a, is a great expert, and it's really, uh, really happy to be, to be up here with him talking today about North Korea and uh, sanctions with respect to North Korea and issues that you all need to think about as you go about your jobs of managing risk and implementing sanctions and um, anti-money laundering controls with respect to North Korea. In some ways, North Korea is is very straightforward and very easy sanctions problem. Um, they've often been described as the most sanctioned country in the world, and and in certain ways they they are. There's extensive UN Security Council sanctions with respect to North Korea. There's um, broad, wide, and, and comprehensive U.S. sanctions with respect to North Korea. The EU has sanctions with respect to North Korea. Um, many, many countries have sanctions with respect to North Korea. And it's not just um, governments. Uh, ever since, in particular, uh, the U.S. 311 action against Banco Delta Asia in Macau in 2005, uh, the private sector, the international uh, financial private sector, has been um, quite hesitant uh, around the world and across the board uh, to do any type of business whatsoever with North Korean entities and the North Korean government and, and any sort of transactions involving North Korea. Um, so North Korea has been both formally and informally in many ways um, excluded um, from the international financial sector. And, and as I said, certain ways, that makes your job as risk manager and as a compliance officer um, a little easier. However, uh, there is one significant complicating factor to that, and, and, and that is the fact that North Korea has for so long faced these broad um, and quite uh, rigorous sanctions and 
and informal exclusion from the financial sector, they've become quite adept at seeking uh, access to the international financial system secret, secretly and surreptitiously and indirectly. Um, so uh, if you're doing business in, in, in Asia um, and really um, many, many places in the world uh, where there is a North Korean presence, um, you really need to think about the North Korean risk that you face and think about the different ways that, North, that you may be inadvertently or indirectly exposing yourself to North Korea risk uh, because it's very real, it's very present, and, and, and several financial institutions have found themselves um, in, in, in great difficulty as a result of the indirect business they were doing with North Korea, either knowingly or in some cases even unknowingly. Uh, so for our discussion today, um, we're going to talk about first the overall structure with respect to global um, and U.S. and North Korea sanctions, and then we'll talk about um, the approach that risk managers and um, compliance officers need to take when thinking about it. And then we'll talk about um, some trends moving into the future that people should be thinking about as they think about North Korea sanctions. So why don't we turn the floor over to Dave, and Dave will talk a little bit about that first issue, which is... Uh, the overall of the overview of North Korea sanctions. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, the North Korea program, I think, is is very straightforward because at the UN level, we basically have a comprehensive sanctions program targeting North Korea. The EU has implemented those sanctions. The US has also implemented those sanctions. And the US has also added secondary sanctions uh, for anyone who, who dares to encroach upon the US sanctions regime. So in one sense, North Korea is, is fairly straightforward. And, you know, there are very few places, there are very few companies in the world where, you're where you will find people who are willing to do business with North Korea. I think what makes North Korea particularly challenging is that one place in the world where you will find North Koreans and you will find people willing to do business with them is in China. And it's in, a, it's in an industrial production area in China. And it's a part of China where a number of companies have have ongoing exposure. Um, you know, I mean, both to the manufacturing areas and then to the port in that area, um, the port in Dalian. So, you know, there, there's still a fair amount of indirect exposure to North Korea, uh, even in the West. And it can be very difficult to, to find that and to ferret that out. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's, a, it's a, an important point to dwell on for a moment. When you think about other sanctions programs uh, like uh, Russia or even Iran, these are countries whose economies are to a greater or lesser extent integrated into the international financial community. Um, and when you're doing business with them, um, oftentimes you're doing business uh, directly with them or in, w or in ways that it's not very difficult to, to, to discover. With respect to, with respect to North Korea, um, as Dave points out, they get so much of their financial access um, from, from China, um, and it's done in so many uh, different secretive um, and clandestine ways that if you're doing business in China or even doing business in Asia more broadly, you could find yourself exposed to North Korean sanctions risk without, without realizing it. It makes doing your uh, due diligence and know your customer all the more important, um, and it creates uh, all sorts of challenges uh, for a for a compliance officer. But why don't you talk, Dave, a little bit about, um, about the, uh, the specific things that compliance officers need to be focused on in this regard? Yeah, so look, so 
here OFAC and, and FinCEN have worked together to issue an advisory on sanctions evasion, actually several advisories on sanctions evasion. And, you know, it really comes back to it really comes back to shell and front companies and understanding the beneficial ownership of parties involved in transactions and deals. Uh, you know, if you if you look through OFAC designations related to North Korea over the years, invariably you will find shell companies that North Korea is using to access the international financial system. You know, North Korea has been so thoroughly de-risked that they have they have really no correspondent relationships to speak of. In fact, it's prohibited to maintain them. How North Korea has maintained access maintained access to the international financial system. They've established many, many shell companies, uh, and they've established bank accounts for these shell companies. And North Korea uses these shell companies as de facto correspondent accounts. Uh, you know, the, the shell companies are not one-to-one relationships with actual companies. They're not one-to-one relationships with North Korean banks. They're, they're repositories for foreign currency coming into North Korea, and they then use that foreign currency to purchase goods that need to be imported to that need to be imported to North Korea. Uh, so you know, it really comes back to it really comes back to understanding ownership chains. You know, beyond that, in in more in deal work or in or in letter of credit transactions, where, in that region where you might have access to to shipping information, um, bills of lading, you know, the ship tracking becomes really important. Um, because one of the things that OFAC has has warned about are suspicious ship movements involving North Korea. So when we think about trends for the future and what people should be thinking about with respect to the future, North Korea has been in the news uh, much lately, and there's been a a recent summit between the President of the United States and uh, Kim Jong-un. There's been uh, a lot of talk about potential breakthroughs with respect to North Korea. What I think people need to understand as they as they read these uh, newspaper articles and watch this uh, on the news is that we've been down this road road many times before, and I think we all um, would 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 welcome a, a significant breakthrough in the in the nuclear talks between North Korea, frankly, and the rest of the international community. Um, that said, uh, North Korea sanctions really haven't changed uh, much over the past. 15 years or so, 12 years or so, uh, notwithstanding all the hopeful, hopeful breakthroughs and then, um, uh, you know, uh, escalatory cycles. We used to think of it as a, uh, there's escalation cycles and de-escalation cycles with respect to North Korea. Um, uh, there's talk about maximum sanctions pressure and then there's talk about sanctions relief. But the sanctions regime itself hasn't, hasn't changed that much. And it's, to the extent it's changed, it's only gotten uh, stronger and stronger over the years. So uh, in, unless there's there's real significant and tangible breakthroughs with respect to North Korea, and until we start to see North Korea actually conducting itself as a normal um, uh, member of the international community and the international financial community, um, I don't think that too much stock should be placed in uh, in how one particular diplomatic exchange or another particular diplomatic exchange happens to be going. I think that we could expect North Korea sanctions to remain in place um, into the future. Um, I think that we could expect the risks of doing business with North Korea um, to remain into the future. Um, and I think that we could expect uh, North Korea deceptive financial practices to remain into the future. So uh, again, it's in, in some ways very, very straightforward 
Um, the trend uh, is that North Korea sanctions will remain in place and will continue um, absent some quite unforeseen uh, set of circumstances. Dave, I don't know if you have stuff to add to that as well. I do, and I agree with you on the trajectory of the trajectory of the negotiations. I think one of the things that's interesting is the way that is the way that risk perceptions change depending on what the diplomatic environment is. Uh, it, a former colleague of mine who who tracks these issues um, for several banks, he um, he told me that that in the spring of 2018, when there was a real ramp up toward negotiations and it looked like there might be a breakthrough, a lot of companies that had that had pulled back from the parts of China that border North Korea had started to go back in because they thought there was about to be a breakthrough and they thought that the sanctions risk had dropped to a level that was acceptable to them. Of course, that didn't happen at all. I mean, there was a pause in, in U.S. designations, I think, for about six months from February of 2018 to August of 2018. Um, but, it, you know, in that time when it appeared there was going to be a breakthrough, a lot of people went back in and there wasn't a breakthrough. And we still have the same sanctions that are, we still have the same sanctions now that were in place before people thought there was going to be a thaw. So, you know, I think for, I think for somebody working in a, in a sanctions compliance function, I think it's important to understand that from the bank's perspective, when it appears there's about to be a diplomatic breakthrough, your sanctions risk is probably increasing because there are people outside of the bank who are making the assessment that the sanctions risk is decreasing and they're starting to take risks that they were unwilling to take when, when hostilities were at a more pitched point. Yeah, again, um, and I know we've, we've now repeated ourselves on this a number of times, but I do think it's worth, it's worth repeating one more time. The sanctions regime with respect to North Korea has not changed um, other than to get uh, stronger over the years. Uh, in the recent um, in the recent summit uh, between the leaders of the United States and North Korea, day one, there was uh, a lot of uh, optimism um, about uh, peace treaties uh, between the United States and, and North Korea. And on the next day, the president of the United States uh, stormed out of the of the meetings uh, with with no deal at all. That was just in one 24-hour period. Uh, if you look over the course of the past two years. Um, you've had the United States threatening to rain fire and fury uh, down upon North Korea, and uh, you've had the President of the United States describing um, his friendship with the uh, leader of, of North Korea. So uh, again, I, 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 I caution people about reading uh, too much into diplomatic developments. The fact of the matter is, is that over the past 10, 12 years, uh, with all the talk about escalation and all the talk about de-escalation at various times, the North Korea sanctions program has not fundamentally changed. Um, and enforcement, while maybe getting lighter from time to time, has not really changed at all. And that remains the case today. Uh, so uh, again, the, uh, the risk that, 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 that banks face and that compliance officers and risk managers need to be sensitive to is the indirect risk they are going to face um, in that part of the world um, from indirectly coming into contact with North Korean transactions. And that will remain steady through the future. So with that, I, th I think that, that, closes, that closes out our discussion. Um, it was, a, again, a relatively uh, simple, intellectually and, and theoretically, it's a very, very simple 
subject, um, as a matter of practice, have become very, very difficult um, and very complex as, as you all uh, try to sort through the, the different ways that North Korea um, tries to surreptitiously um, through front companies, shell companies, um, and other forms of disintermediation gain access to the international financial system. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's, it's a very important part of your responsibilities, especially those of you who are focused on Asia, and it's, uh, it's one that I think will remain challenging for you into the future. Thank you for listening to FinCast. We hope you join us for future episodes. Have a great day.